place in the Lord. I usually say, hold on, but this morning you can go ahead and start, Calvin. There's really a place in the Lord where you can walk in His peace, in His, in His work, and, and be secure in it. Be secure in what He's done. And, and as I was coming in the door, I believe, this morning, it really, really, the Scripture hit me unlike it's never hit me before in all my life that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And what I heard in my spirit was as we hear the Word of God, as we hear it, as we get, that's why Jesus said, those that continue in my Word, they are my disciples indeed. Because as we give ourselves to His Word and we hear it, see, it builds faith in us Amen. that we walk in faith to what He's done. See, see, we come to the Lord and we come to the Lord in faith believing. That's how we come to the Lord. We don't come to the Lord any other way. We believe on what He's done. Amen. But as what He has done is made real in us, it creates faith in us it, it, that we can, we can walk in peace, we can walk in liberty, we can walk in certain ways. It allows us to move by the Spirit of God. It's like, like Sister Phyllis, when you were, you were uh, starting to sing Flawless, and, and, and I almost wanted to say to you, we've got a little bit of indoctrination in us of what we've sat under for so many years because, Sister, you are flawless. You are flawless. It's not just that, that you know, we, we always put this emphasis on, you, you know, and I don't want to take any emphasis off him when I say this, so don't get me wrong, but we want to put this emphasis on, you know, he's righteous, and that's true, but he's made you righteous. Amen. You are, Paul, Paul made a plain, you are complete in him. You. Amen. You. Who's you? you? Who's you? He didn't just say Christ is complete. See, see, this is almost what we've, we sat in and became indoctrinated in. Christ is complete, but I'm not. I'll never forget, I gave a word of prophecy to a, a dear sister. And the Lord moved in me so powerfully. Because and it was probably as a word of prophecy, probably the most powerful one I ever gave in my in my walk with the Lord. I, I I don't know that I ever had the Lord move like that again. But He spoke so powerfully to me and and said, "Tell her she's alive. Amen. You're alive. Because we walk around and we don't want to say we're alive. Well, He's alive. Well, He's my life. Then so am I." If he lives in me and I live in him, then he made me alive. Amen. And see, see that, that has to produce in us what he's done. Because our hearts are, are, are afraid. And we shouldn't be afraid. Fear, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. So his love is perfect love. His love is per perfect love. We didn't know perfect love till He came and died and rose from the dead. That's perfect love. And it casts out fear and bondage. He broke them. I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget receiving the Lord and knowing that I was clean. I, my slate was clean. I knew that by the Lord. And I started going to church and they wanted to tell me almost everything wrong with me. But I was clean. Because I almost immediately got back into, well, is this a sin or is that a sin? My eyes went off of what Jesus had done, and it came into man's definition of sin. Yeah. And man probably has it wrong anyway. You ever think of that? Man probably got it wrong? I was thinking of Adam this morning, and just sharing a thought. I ain't saying this is right or wrong or indifferent, but I'm going to share a thought. One thing about Adam in the garden, Adam didn't believe God. Never realized that, I don't guess. Because if Adam had believed God, he wouldn't have ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the Lord told him, said, the day you eat thereof, you'll die, right? So evidently, he didn't walk in faith. 
So, so, so Adam didn't believe God. And you come over in Hebrews, and Hebrews is dealing with, with sin. Hebrews 3 and 4. And it's calling sin not believing. And I, and I never really saw that with Adam because Adam didn't believe God. If Adam had believed God, he would have ate the tree. So he didn't, he didn't live in faith. See, see, so immediately that, that was there in, in, in the missing of the mark was he didn't believe God. Just a thought. Strong thought came to me this morning as I sit before the Lord of Adam there regarding and how he didn't believe God. He believed in other words. See, another word came. And that's, and that's what comes to us a lot of times is another word besides His word. And when the other word comes, we believe the other word. But, Brother Wayne, where does the other word come to? In our mind. Come right in mind. And it'll, it'll, uh, it'll be contrary to what God's Word is. It'll be contrary to the work of Christ. Because we don't understand the, the, the power of His work. We really don't. Well, see, we haven't fully comprehended what He is. <coughs> and as we look at the kingdom, we've got to fully comprehend what He is because the kingdom is based upon the King. And the king's work, the king's rule, the king's word, his work, his rule, his word. So it's based upon the king. Amen. So what the king says goes. King, king's right. It's not like a democracy where, where we can get together and ten of us make a decision because the other five disagree. In a, in a kingship, the king's word goes. It carries all authority. And so, so as we understand the kingdom, his word goes. Fully, completely. So we were, last week we were looking, just to kind of rehash our minds, we were looking at the kingdom of God. And I, I want to move on in this, but in Luke, I believe it's chapter 8. Yeah, Luke 8, verse 11. And I'm not going to go through all the parable of the sword of the seed. I'll ask you if you weren't here last week, get the recording or just read the sword of the seed. Read it in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But the way this is presented in Luke is extremely powerful. It says now, verse 11, now this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God. So, so the meaning of the parable is the seed is the Word of God. Now I want to jump off in something the Lord's been dealing with me and I haven't fully uh, worked it out, but I'm going to mention it to you. A word is communication. Have you ever ever thought about inside of a word is communication? We communicate with one another through words. Do we not? So we, we come with a word and we communicate, Hey, you want to go to the store? And, and then you give me a word back. Yeah, we go, and we go. But there's a there's communication. So when we look at the word, the word logos is the mind, the thought, the purpose. It's God's communication with man. So when it says in John, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. That was God's thought, His word, His communication. To man. And then it comes on down and John says, And the Word was made flesh. His communication was made flesh and dwelt among us. So that's God communicating with us. 
is through the Lord Jesus Christ. So He's the media God used. See, like a media. What do you mean by media? Like, like a, a, a media of uh, written words, books, uh, history, uh, TV, news. That's media. So God's media toward you is Jesus Christ. That's His media. That's His communication. And now, if I'm to know what God's saying, I have to know it through Jesus Christ. Because that's the Word God said. And, and what's powerful in that Word is God Himself was contained in it. <coughs> in the invisible God became visible and gave it expression. Yeah. So that's, that's what made this word so powerful. Because God's invisible according to your Bible. If you read your Bible, it speaks of the invisible God. What's invisible? It means you can't see it with your natural eye. So what was invisible came, became visible to communicate. Okay. So he communicated his love toward you at the cross of Calvary. He communicated actually when he became a man. When he became bound in humanity, he was communicating his love toward humanity. Because he wasn't bound in humanity. He wasn't bound in the flesh. <clears throat> See, he wasn't bound as a earth man. So he communicated his word to you. To whatever measure that word you understand. He communicated in the person of Jesus Christ. And see, what we're learning of God is contained in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't learn really anything of God unless we learn it in the person of Jesus Christ. No. His length, His depth, His breadth, the width. And you can start off with just His humanity. You can go search out the humanity of Jesus and you find you come to the cross. And then you come to His ascension and you come to the fullness of God. So there's so much depth in the Lord Jesus. Oh, yes. That He pulls everything. You know, the writer in Ephesians had some understanding in it, and he said that all things in heaven and on earth were gathered together in Him. All things. So whatever your imagination of heaven might be, or your thought, if Apostle Paul understood what he's talking about, all of that was brought into Christ. Amen. So if God was in heaven, then he got brought into Christ. What Paul writes. Paul goes on in Colossians and says, And the fullness of the Godhead is in him, and you are complete in him. Pretty good place to be complete at. Pretty good place to find your completion and your rest, but you find it through His cross. See, see, a lot of teaching wants to find it without the cross. A lot of teaching wants to bring a gospel with no cross, and and it doesn't work. If if it was just a gospel with no cross, Jesus would have just come and said words, and would have. Ascended back to where he was, and he would have died. He wouldn't have bled and died. So there's a communication in the cross that has to grip our minds and our hearts. But I but I see this, and and I I feel like it's dangerous ground because it 
wants to teach without the cross. And it's all over the earth today. All over. That, that, and without the cross, we get left with ourselves. We get left with all our junk. And we find no completion in ourselves. So God's communication to us is through Jesus Christ, through His death, burial, resurrection, ascension, glory, and everything that pertains to Him. And it's not just to us, it's in us. So, so it, it is to and in. So, so anyway, the seed is the Word of God. So, uh, so as you, you read the parable of the sower's seed, and then in another place we looked at last week, it says, The kingdom of God comes not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For the kingdom of God is within you. So, how is it within you? Through a word. <laughs> how did it get in me? The word. Paul writes, the word is nigh in thy mouth and in thy heart, the word of faith that we preach. <clears throat> so the kingdom comes in the word. We don't observe it with the natural eye, we receive it by the word. Well, how's it spread? I, I got so many scriptures on it being spread. I was looking at it and it just went boom. Through the Word. How, how, is, how is it even spread when Jesus comes? It, it says in a couple places, His fame went throughout all Judea. Yeah. His fame went through Samaria, or for uh, Syria. How? Word. The Word. The Word. So people started going out and broadcasting, hey, this man, Jesus, is healing everybody oppressed by the devil. Why don't you come see? Yeah. That's what they started doing. They were coming to see him. Thrones of people. Through the Word. Oh, yes, Lord. And see, see just, a, just a simple Scripture. God doesn't give you the Word to put it under a bushel or a basket. No. See, see we, we, we sometimes deep-life people have thought, whether we meant to or not, we did, we thought, well, we got this deep understanding and we got it. Mm -hmm. We hid it under a bushel. But I, but I see through the Word, His kingdom advancing through the earth, through the Word. Now, what do you mean, Brother Wayne? Look at it today. Everybody talks about how bad it's getting. Man, the gospel is in every corner of the earth. Yeah, have you ever considered that? Every corner of the earth is declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ that He's tearing down all kingdoms through the Word. Not, not through swords and spears or guns or what have you, but through the Word. He, break, he breaks down kingdoms through the Word. I don't know that we get a hold of this, that this Word will take a man, violent, murderous, and change him. Absolutely. That the Word of Christ will take the most violent man on the face of the earth, and will get his heart, and he'll beat his sword, into a plowshare. What does that mean, beat your sword into a plowshare? He'll go out and begin to till the field, the plowshare, for the seed, the Word of God. Amen. Amen. 
I mean, I mean, it, it's going on right in front of us, and I don't know that we get how powerful and how far the kingdom of God is advancing in the earth today. Because we've been looking for it to come with observation. So, this leads me to where, and we may look at some more scriptures of the advancement of the Word, but it kind of leads me where I, I had, had wanted to start, to Daniel 2. Oh, Brother Daniel. Yes, Daniel too. And for time's sake, I won't read it all. But if you read the story of Daniel, you'll see how Daniel, this story in chapter 2, Daniel's, uh, he's in captivity of the Babylonians. He's in Babylonian captivity. And God gives Nebuchadnezzar the king a dream. Nebuchadnezzar wakes up and can't remember it. But he's troubled inside. He had a dream that he can't remember and he's troubled. So he calls his magicians, soothsayers, whatever you want to call them. And he gets them in front of him and says, hey, tell me my dream. He doesn't just say, tell me the interpretation of my dream. Here's my dream. He says, tell me my dream that troubled me and the interpretation. Now he's a king, like I said earlier on, a king. So it wasn't a democracy. So Nebuchadnezzar decides, I'm going to kill them all. They can't tell me this dream. I want you to bring all the wise men to me. We're going to kill them. Now you wouldn't want to be a wise man about right then, would you? So, so Daniel begins, you know, he goes to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, you know, he uses their real names, and he says, let's seek the Lord. And they seek the Lord, and the Lord comes to Daniel in a dream. I believe it's a dream or in a word. You have to go through and read it. And he sees, I think it's a word, and he sees the image. Okay? Yeah. So he sees an image in verse uh, 31, turn down to 31. Daniel 2.31 says, Thou, O, o king, sawest. So he told, told Nebuchadnezzar what he saw. <coughs> and behold, a great image, this image which was mighty and whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the aspect thereof was terrible. As for this image, its head was of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of brass, its legs of iron, its feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till a stone was cut out without hands. A stone cut out without hands. Which smote the image upon its feet that were of iron and clay and break them in pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken in pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away. You can think of the wind of the Spirit here. So that no place was found for them, and the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled what? The horror. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation thereof before the king. Thou, O king, art king of kings, unto whom the God of heaven hath given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens have he given into thy hand, and have made thee to rule over them all. Thou art the head of gold. So he tells you what the head of gold is. He says, Nebuchadnezzar, you are. <laughs> after you, or after thee, shall rise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that crushes all these shall it break in pieces and crush. And whereas thou sawest the feet and the toes part of the potter's clay and part of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom, 
But there shall be in it of the strength of iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with the miry clay. And the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest the iron mixed with the clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron does not mingle with clay. And in the days of those kings, listen this close, in the days of those kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. Amen. Nor shall the sovereignty thereof be left to another people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to thee, king, what shall come to pass hereafter. And the dream is certain, and the interpretation thereof sure. Then Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel, and commanded that they should offer an oblation and sweet odors unto him. All right. When you look at this, a lot of people teach this is yet in the future. This fourth kingdom is going to come. That's what a lot of people teach. That's what they preach. A lot of people preach three of them's happened, but we're waiting on the fourth. And some of them may preach all four of them just come. I don't know. But they preach three of them's happened, we're waiting on the fourth. All right, if you take history, you'll go from Nebuchadnezzar to the Medes and the Persians to the Greeks to the Romans. There's four kings. And here comes Jesus on the scene. In, just like he said, in the times, in the days of these kingdoms. So right now, we, we celebrate, you know, a lot of people celebrate Christmas. And they talk about the baby in the manger, being born in the manger, and all the things about Jesus in the manger. When he was born in the manger, they told, they, one, of the, one of the words, if you go look in Luke, and maybe we'll look at it in a moment, was he is the ruler that was to come. He is the Lord, the King that was to come. Amen. So right in the midst of the Roman kingdom, Jesus is born in a manger in Bethlehem to set up on the throne of his father David. Right in the midst of it. So if I'm going to understand this, I've got to agree with the Word of God. It happened right in the midst of Rome. So why do I believe another kingdom is going to come? Why? Because people told me so. Well, people may be wrong. God may be right. So, so Jesus, when Jesus started preaching, flip over to Mark 1, and we'll go backwards, but just to kind of sum it up, to get us moving. What does Jesus say when He starts preaching after John, Mark 1? Mark 1, 14 says, Now, everybody, Mark, I can get there fast, so let me let you get there. After John was delivered up, so after John had finished his course, here comes Jesus. Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God. And saying, what do you say? The time is fulfilled. What time is fulfilled? The time of Daniel's prophecy. Do you realize why they were wanting to kill Jesus? When Herod wanted to kill him. Because it was about the time of Daniel's prophecy. They knew, you know, Herod, Herod knew King's going to be born according to Scripture. We're going to seek him out and kill him. 
So Herod, you go read the story of Herod, and Herod kills, I think, all the babies from two years down because they understood the time. Or had some understanding, maybe not the exact days and years, but they knew it was about the timeline of Daniel's prophecy for the king to come. <coughs> so, the wise men see his star in the east, and they and Herod says, Go follow the star. Find him. Come back and tell me where he's at. So I worship him. He won't worship him, I want to kill him. And he wanted to kill him because he was destined to be the king. And you know that there, there's see, there's this. It, it, it what, what he didn't get was Jesus' kingdom. Kingdom Jesus was going to bring wasn't like that anyway. He wasn't bringing another earthly kingdom. He was bringing the heavenly kingdom. So Jesus comes on the scene, and he tells him, he says, "The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand." In other words, it's now here, man. It's at hand. And he says, Repent ye and believe in the good news, the gospel. <laughs> it's at hand. Be one thing if that's all he did was said it. Then we go down and we read the stories of Jesus. And, and right here, and uh, he comes into Capernaum down in verse 21, and they go into Capernaum. And straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and called. You know, I, I may have said this a few weeks ago. This jumped out like lightning to me. You know, Jesus later on saying, Woe to Capernaum. Now, why does he say, Woe to Capernaum? Because they repented back with Jonah. Right. <laughs> Look what Jesus does in Capernaum. He comes into Capernaum. And straightway on the seventh day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as having authority and not as the scribes. And straightway there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Nazarene? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, tearing him, and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? <laughs> a new teaching? <laughs> Why, because scraps of Pharisees couldn't do this. They could read them the law. But they had no authority over that unclean spirit when Jesus came in authority of the kingdom. So He didn't just say the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is among you. Repent and believe in the kingdom. He comes and encounters an unclean spirit and He says, get out. The spirit gets out because the kingdom of heaven has come. The authority of the king was present. And when the authority of the king comes, the unclean spirits were in trouble. See, and then you get into the parables coming to me. There. He said, you, you have to bind the strong man before you take over his house. I'm not going to quote it just right. So here Jesus come, and he bound up the man that had authority, the strong man, and he plundered his house. <laughs> yes, yes. See, see, we we got to enter into what he's done. See, so the kingdom come right in their midst, but it didn't come with observation; it came through word. And that's why he told him. He said, "The sower soweth the word." Of God. Yeah. And as he speaking of the parable of the sword and the seed, he spoke to them of the mystery 
of the kingdom of God. So the sower and seed was speaking of the mystery of the kingdom of God. And people out here today are trying to understand when's the kingdom of God coming? When's God going to build another house in the Middle East? And I'm going to tell you, He ain't. Why would He? Why would He need to build another house when He has laid a stone? See, Daniel said a stone was cut out of a mountain, right? right? How many know Jesus is called the chief what? Cornerstone. You reckon there's another stone going to be cut out of another mountain that's going to fill the whole earth? No. He's the stone that Daniel saw being cut out of the mountain of God and he came and he destroyed all those at the cross. And he rose triumphant over them. And now he's filling the whole earth through the preaching of the gospel. As we move forward and preach the gospel, who comes? When I tell a man to repent, he repents, who comes? When I tell a man to believe on Christ, who comes? He does. Because we're, we're preaching in His authority. Hallelujah. We don't get that. We're in His authority or it wouldn't work. See, if we weren't in His authority, then that wouldn't work. But that's His authority. He's commissioned us to go into all the world making disciples of all men. Yes. So I have His blessing already. He's given us His Word and He Himself comes through His own Word. See, religions kind of watered it down, I guess is the way to say it. Religion wants to strip the power of it all. Religion was, you know, like like you get into different beliefs, different doctrines, different teachings, and 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 they want to say, well, miracles, signs, and wonders happened up to Paul. They went out the door. I said, why? <laughs> if he's the same Jesus that came into Paul's heart, that came into my heart, why would the same Jesus all at once decide? Well, we're going to quit doing that. We're just going to give them some word. Sounds like Pharisees. Because they didn't have no authority. So, they, so they, didn't, they didn't come in His authority. They didn't even know Him. See, but that's what religion did. Religion come and, and said, because the kingdom of God always come with authority and power. So it always had the word and the spirit. Everywhere you go, there was the Word and the Spirit. The Spirit backed up what Jesus said. The Spirit backed up what Peter said. The Spirit backed up what Paul said. And it should back up what we say. Because we are connected to Him. So if I'm connected and we read, we, we quoted it, I didn't read it, we quoted this, you are complete in Him. If I'm in Him and He's my head, the authority of my head should come forth somewhere, sometime. Mm-hmm. Why ain't it? We don't believe it. Oh. Well, the Scripture says that He didn't do many miracles in some places. Why? Because they didn't believe they come to a place of unbelief. Well, I don't know if this is going to work. Well, I, I guarantee you don't know it won't. It ain't going to. Because you don't know if it will. But see, see, when you come to Jesus and you get saved, and that's what he said in one place. I'm just going to go down this line where I'm here. When, when he said... To, was it to the lame uh, to the uh, man they dropped down from the roof? I believe. I believe. Some of that sins be forgiven me. Yeah. 
That's true. Well, nobody forgives sins but God. But Jesus said, okay, since you won't believe that, I'll show you I have the power to forgive sins. Take up your bed walk. He took up his bed walk. So he showed he had power to forgive the sins. Now we that are believers, I'm just using this, when we come to Jesus, we believe He'll forgive our sins. But many of us don't believe He'll heal us. But we believe He'll forgive our sins. They thought it was hard. Nobody can forgive sins for God. Well, He must have been God because He was able to do it. So, so we come as believers and we believe in Him for the forgiveness of sins, but, but to a certain degree, we don't believe He really fully forgave them. Do we? But God, you may be holding that against me. He holds nothing against you. You're complete in Him. Well, if God says you're complete in Christ, He ain't got nothing against you, does He? Well, you know, I was a, a, a dirty old scumbag. See, because these, these elements are always coming against our mind. Do we, do we know? Do we come to His security? And when we come to His security, we come to a place of knowing his security, not our security, but we come to His security and we really believe you really forgave my sins. You removed them. As far as the east is from the west, you removed everything at the cross. You blotted out all my transgressions and all my iniquities, just as Isaiah the prophet said, were laid upon Him. So everything I ever did or any man ever did wrong, He took it. He became the spotless Lamb. Just like the Lamb of God in the Old Testament, that they would take that Lamb of God for their sin, that Lamb that never had done right or wrong, or wrong, never done wrong, spotless, pure, and type the shadow. And they take it and kill that lamb. Well, Jesus became that lamb of God. Yes, and he completely removed our sins. Completely. Now, why don't I feel secure in that? Why do so many believers that have believed, that have received the Lord, really, they really many many times they don't feel secure in it? There, there's a, I think, a secret there. If you continue in my work, you will be my disciple indeed. So the solution is in the Word. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, You'll have life. So, you know, this ain't, this ain't very deep. So if I spend all my time eating something other than his flesh and drinking something other than his blood, I probably won't manifest his life. Because right. I don't know it. Because I don't know it. I, I'm, not in, I'm not in relationship with Him to know it. See, see, getting in the Word and having God unveil His Word creates relationship with us. Yes, sir. Yes, it sir. creates a divine relationship that, that makes what He did real. That's, and, and I don't know that I can give anybody another answer. That's the answer. I believe that's it. We look for answers. What well, Jesus showed it in type of the shadow with with Martha and Mary, and Martha was busy. She's busy about to. Cares. 
more minutes and I'm going to quit, but there's something I really want to say, but I, but I want to carry this out. We, we've been programmed. What I mean we've been programmed? We've been programmed to go see what you do. Well, Darlene did this. You know she can't be right with God. I know she can't. Because Jesus is greater than what Darlene did. See, we made, our, we made our judgment based upon what we did, not on what he did. See, that's the, that's the issue, is we judge by our works. See, the judgment is still. And that's where, that's where I want to get to, and I, Lord knows I ain't going to today. But the judgment... He judges you righteous. See, the word righteous is a verdict. If you look up the meaning of the word, it's like a verdict, like a judge gives you a verdict. Okay? Like we said, we read, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God, and I'm like, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord we're going to stand before the judgment seat of God because He says you are righteous. See, we've looked at the judgment seat of God as this horrible place to come. Well, when we come to the judgment seat of God through Christ, God says, you are righteous. Amen. You are in right standing. You are good. You alright? Hallelujah. 
And see, then we go right out and we, we begin to try to be righteous. We, we, we get saved. We come to the Lord as newborn babes. And we walk right out and we try to become righteous through our own works. No, it's His works. It's when I come to rest from my works and live in His. That, that, I, that I can walk in faith with God believing I am well. Hallelujah. You won't walk in faith with God believing you're well? Hallelujah. You want it? We, we sing the song, I've been set free. Are you free in your mind? Only you know that. In your mind, are you free? We sing a song, I've been set free, but are you free? It's like like the Lord said, Come unto me, all your labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Are you at rest? In your mind, are you at rest? You know, I know, whether I am or not. Hallelujah. It gives you the answer. Take my yoke upon you. Get yoked up with me. Where to me? That's the answer. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. If you're going to me, you go find rest. Because I, I made you, I brought you to rest. prescription like a, like a doctor. <laughs> Jesus write me a prescription of how to get rest. Here, you take these three times a day, seven days, and you'll get rest. Learn to me. How many times do you tell us the word to learn to me? John, it wasn't, we quoted earlier. Eat my face, drink my what? Learn to me. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. So come eat my flesh and drink my blood. Learn of me. Continue in my word. You'll be my disciple indeed. Because I'm going to give you rest to your soul, to your mind, to that, to that inner man. That's a turmoil. That 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 man was out there on the water like the ship that, that Peter and the disciples were in. And Jesus just speaks to the wind and says, Hey, be calm. Oh, great. He's, he's talking about that kind of rest, folks. Hallelujah. That's how powerful he is. Amen. That your inner being can come into rest. He's that powerful. And you can live in his life. See, see the, the one part of this is you come to believe, yeah, He did it. He secured me. He made me whole. But then I can live in His life. I can grow up in the knowledge of Him. Yes. And see, that's the man that finds the great pearl and he sells all that he has for that one great pearl of great price. Because what it's going to cost you is you. But what you're going to find is so glorious that you find out it's worth losing all that I am to know Him. It's worth everything to know Him. Everything. Yes, my Lord. That's how much it's worth. Why am I holding it back from Him? So I, I want to tell Christians so often, because I can see it and I can feel it. I want to tell them I got a prescription. I've got the the cure, not the prescription. I got the cure. See, Jesus didn't have a prescription. He had a cure. So we go to the doctor and we get a prescription, but but a doctor tell you, well, I can't cure you, right? I can help you. I'll make you feel better. Jesus comes on scene and says, man, I'm gonna cure you. He said, by, by my stripes, you know, the word says, by his stripes, you are healed. I'm the cure. 
You got a problem, I'm it. You got a problem in your flesh, I'm the cure for that. You got a problem in your mind, I'm the cure for that. I'm the cure. Come to me and you'll get cured. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I believe that. You may think I'm crazy, but I believe that. I don't care if you think I'm crazy. I don't mean that mean. It's all right. Because He's he's rich in me, man. You know, I'm I'm, I'm almost tired of, of just dancing around it. He's rich in me. I mean, He's rich. I, I wake up sometimes and, and walk around, and I'm not telling you I, I walk in the highest heavens all the time. I'm, I, I have problems just like you. I told you here last week, I said, I'm one of you. So I got problems just like you do, all right? I get mad, I get upset, I probably do everything you do. Say, well, that preacher doesn't lie to the Lord have mercy. Well, Lord have mercy on you too, and thank God He had mercy. Okay? So thank God He had mercy on us all. But I'm telling you, God is so rich in me that that if I could pull out, and I guess that's what I try to do when I preach, is pull out what God has made real in me and give it to people. I just want them to get a hold of it and jump up and down and say, say Lord, this is good. I drank this water and it's good. I've, I've ate of this bread and it's real good. I told them at, at Brother Frank's, and, and I, I, I'm done, I'm quitting right now. I told them at Brother Frank's this. You know, one thing I, I told you, Brother Warner, I'd address, I'll address that, and then some two more things. At Brother Frank's, I, I told them, I said and something to the fact that the same thing I'm telling you right now. I got in this Revelation Word years ago. And when I first got in it, I didn't get in it and... and immediately find the solution. Okay? But as time went on, I realized, wow, I've got rest. i got peace. i got joy. I read the Bible and it says, I get that. And so I said, you know what? This produced that fruit in my heart because I know what's in my heart. And I said, this word produced it. The other word didn't. So I'm going to follow this because it's producing what God said would happen. Amen. So it sold me. Because <laughs> I got joy. Man, I got joy. It ain't just this laughing money, you know, everything funny. But there's joy in me. Amen. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. And what was, what was tough with it? And now just give me a vehicle to walk off. I was talking to you, Brother Barter, at the beginning. When God dealt with me I, I, as a young man, and He dealt with me, and He began to reveal His Word, He stuck me out on an island, so to speak. I was out here like, I was in a big congregation, and then all at once I'm over here, and they're all over here. And my first feeling is, let me get back over here to security. Because you want to be secure. See, the hard, the hard part is, is you want to be secure. I want to be secure. Well, being with all the people gives you a sense of security, right? You walk around, well, they believe that, well, I believe that, and we're all fine. But inside, you still ain't secure. Right. Just with a group of people that's insecure. <laughs> and they try to comfort each other. So you got a whole bunch of insecure people trying to comfort each other, and they can't comfort you. Kind of like poor Joe. All his buddies come around, they start trying to comfort Job, and Job's like, yeah, yeah my buddies can leave. Because <laughs> you ain't giving me no comfort. I ain't getting, I, it ain't getting no better with what you're saying. And so I, so there for years, I, I, you know, it, it's kind of puzzled me. And then I, one day there it comes. So I said, I, said, I think I used 25 years. What's 20, 25? I don't know. But years later, I realized God sent me out on an island. And Apostle Paul, you can't say Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul said the same thing. When it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, my religion, you know, natural mother, but a lot of Paul's mother's womb there was his religion if you search it out, to reveal his son in me. 
called me by His grace, separated me to reveal. And when God began to reveal His Word in me, you can sit down with me and say, I don't believe that, I don't see that, I'll go, okay. But God revealed it to me, so, okay. It's alright, you don't see it, but God revealed it. But the, but the thing that I realized He did is I was sitting out here and I used to want to go to Brother So-and-So and get Brother So-and-So's answer. All at once I realized Brother So-and-So doesn't have the answer for me. Brother so-and-so ain't going to give me the answer. He's not going to fulfill the Word. Yeah, I've got to get it from God Himself. And when He answers me, it's going to be a sure Word. And it's going to bring sureness to me. And that's what I begin to do. I begin to see that. I'm like, man, this is good. This is, this is good. This is a whole lot better than, than, than just going to church and hoping I'm right. He's made me righteous. All, all, as bad as I was, he, he saved me. He really did it. I'm bad. I said, up here, go through all the bad things I've done. In my past, I didn't blame him. But he made me righteous. And I can speak out of assurance. I can speak from sureness, from steadfastness, from authority. Because it's real in me. And that's what God wants to do is make it real. That the gospel is real. And when you go tell people about good news, let me tell you about the good news, man. You, you, you know it. Amen. So when you sit down and say, hey, let me talk to you about the house of God. That's why, you know, and I'm, I'm stopping. That's why they were upset with Jesus, because He spoke to them in authority. He didn't say, yeah, I suppose that's the way it is. He didn't suppose nothing. He told them this is how it is. And see, when God begins to make His Word real in you, that's what you can do. Because you're speaking out of the reality that He gives. Glory to God. Yes, my Lord. And, and it's for any man. <laughs> Anybody. Wonderful. Wonderful. I was as backwards a hillbilly as you. I was the definition of hillbilly the way I grew up. Man, when you, you went back into my life and you said this guy will be going into the White House. Well, White House, I've never met the president. I, I haven't been in the White House. Let me correct myself. Capitol. And all under the Senate buildings and Congress buildings and this, that, and the other, and secret service and the DEA and doing things I do. I don't do anything with them. It's on equipment. But, but I was as backwards as backwards could be. I was. I grew up six, man. Ravens, right? Raven? Virginia. Big, I, I wasn't even from the town of Raven. And the town of Raven, I think, had a beer joint and a pharmacy. And an F&M food store, that's about it in Raven. Huh? Barbershop. So, man, I, I wasn't even from the town. I lived at Big Mill Creek. In the holler. I grew up in the holler. And, and, and God took His Word and began to know me. Brother Stanley, what level of education do you have? Fifth grade? Fifth grade! I got a college degree. I learned how to properly put sentences together and do a few things. Brother Stanley didn't get a college degree. He's in the fifth grade. He taught himself to read. The Lord revealed himself to him. And that's... That's powerful. Peter, Peter was, you know, Paul, you take Paul, Paul was an educated man. Peter was a fisherman. And evidently he was probably just an ordinary guy. Get mad. He'd get mad there. You know, out on the boat, he was, he was embarrassed when Jesus hollered at him. I don't know if he's fully naked or just had his shirt off, but however, when, when it, you know, Jesus comes there to the shore and John and Oliver or whatever, 
And Peter realized, oh, that's all right. Let me put some clothes on. It's just an every everyday ordinary God guy that got into relationship with God. Amen. There was nothing big about Peter, but relationship was he began to believe him. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Anyway, enough this morning. I can go on and on about that, but, but this thing, this thing ain't for it. You can be 